Hey there, I don't really think there's anything more complex than being a leader of people. If you're listening to this podcast and you manage a team or you have leaders of people working in your organization below you or you're at the C-suite, it might be time that you want to pop on over to mocarrick.com and learn about the Leading People program. This is my signature three-month peer cohort-based program where I offer all of the tools that human beings that are leading people need in order to activate the talents of their people for success without having to be a superhero. The doors are opening on September 16th and you're not going to want to miss it. Classes start October 24th and I'd love to have you or your people in there. Check it out. In a world where workplaces are sometimes toxic for people and humanity has been squeezed out by outdated rules, how do leaders who care create enlivened workplace cultures? This show has the answers. On Let's Make Work Human, we discuss how organizations can meet their mission and make a profit without squeezing the life out of people. The path to how lies in unbreakable connections, clear purpose, and real partnerships that debunk and demolish old mindsets about the world of work. I'm Mo Carrick, and I'm a beekeeper, mother of adults, CEO, culture expert, award-winning entrepreneur, and best-selling author, and I'm joined on this show by my colleague and friend, awesome coach, mother of a toddler, award-winning creative, DEI facilitator, and millennial, May Rats. Together, we tackle teams that gossip, leaders who are bad for people, partnering while working, belonging, and so much more with an irreverent and honest look at what it takes to make every workplace fit for the human beings who work there. We're on a mission to stop the suck and restore humanity to work. This show will warm your heart, challenge your thinking, and leave you laughing out loud. Hello, Jim. Hi. Oh my gosh, how fun to be talking to you, my partner and husband on the Let's Make Work Human podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me today. Thanks thanks for having me on. I'm you know, I don't get nervous about this kind of stuff, but all of a, all of a sudden I find myself feeling nervous. It's like there's <laughs> you know, it's like high stakes. <laughs> I don't know. It can't be that high stakes. You've listened to our podcast. You know it's very informal. Well, you all are so good, though. I just, I'm worried about being an old, boring guy. Well, you're not a boring guy to me. And, you know, this podcast, we really wanted to talk about nothing too important, just love, money, and partnership. <laughs> right? right? All, right, all right. the things. And, you know, when May and I make our list for who we want to talk to about the podcast, we, you know, we, we give a lot of thought to like, what would be interesting for our listeners? And, and, you know, we, we have gotten lots of feedback from our listeners about what they want to hear about. And one of the things that's a very persistent challenge and focus for the people that we know that are out there in the world of work, trying to bring their best to work every day is that the people that are at home for them, the people they live with, the people they love are really important to how well they feel that they're doing at work. And um, sometimes, you know, in the past, I mean, both you and I identify, I think, as baby boomers. And it used to be that we had to leave all those parts of ourselves at home. Um, so that's something I'm curious about is, you know, sitting at, at your stage of life, what do you think has changed about the boundaries or the way we think about our home relationships in the context of work? Like, is it different today 
what people talk about around their family relationships and their the people that feed them personally um, than it was when you first entered the workforce? Well, yeah, it's completely different. Actually, that's a big question or a big, a big, a big topic. Yeah, everything's totally different and even more different since COVID. You know, right? When you were a young man, what do you think the you know what was your mindset about how you shared at work about like your family? You know, you were a young dad. Yeah, I think I was working from the belief that there was supposed to be this separation, and um, and I found that was really difficult because I was a primary breadwinner. I found it really difficult to separate because if I wanted to advance my career and get work done, sometimes I had to work from home, and being home was also the, the time I had to try and connect with my with my child and with my partner, and so it, it didn't work to necessarily keep things separate. Although we tried to, and I think we we kind of did. But I, f- I found it very hard. I actually, I mean, you've you've seen it. I actually really prefer kind of the blended way of working now, uh, except for the fact that it just means I continue to have this terrible habit of overworking. You know, <laughs> yeah, which, you, which you have a front a front row seat to. Oh man, well, it's something we talk about a lot. You know, on the podcast, and I have a front row seat to your overworking, but I also, as you know, I'm challenged, you know, by my own. So in full transparency, you know, you and I met, we fell in love and we married after we had our children and after we had our careers. So, you know, we have been in this world that is often referred to as like a blended family. Um, your son was mostly grown when we got together. My kids were still much younger. Um, and when we did the thing and decided to like blend our families and then we, and we each had two different consulting practices. And I think that one of the things that I find really interesting when I'm working with clients is, you know, what is the constellation of, of their working vis-a-vis their partner? And so let's talk about that a little bit because we've had quite the journey. We started our relationship as independent business owners in the same industry. And then we made a really important decision, which also was really hard. And then we undid that decision. And then <laughs> we have a lot of different things that we're doing now back in sort of two separate careers. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about why we decided when we got married as second marriages for both of us with children already, why we decided not to work together? Yeah, that's a fun story. Um, and you know, the other thing, Mo, actually, I was just thinking about is unlike probably many relations, well, maybe not, unlike some relationships, you and I got to know each other through the context of work, not through a personal connection. Right. So our our personal romantic connection evolved from first being respected colleagues. I mean, I asked you to be a reader on my book, you know, right. and that's that was kind of how we got to know each other. I brought you into one of my clients. And so, you know, my my relationship with you was based, was founded on a basis of incredible respect and admiration for you as a practitioner. You know, you were the person I wanted to be like in terms of the way I worked. So uh, that was different. You know, that was, yeah, that was different. And then um, I think the part of the story that you, you want me to talk about was when we decided to get married and blend, blended our lives fully, to blend our lives fully. I and mean, you had your business and I had mine. Of course, then I got diagnosed with cancer. Well, yeah, right? but we also just, yeah, but we had a prenup. Like we were very separate. We were like, yeah. we're going to be married, but we have separate children and we have separate finances and we have, we have a prenup and we're protecting each other's businesses. Then, yeah, then you got cancer. Yeah, then I got cancer and um, kind of my business, I, my work had to stop so I could go through treatment. And you were great about just, I mean, we weren't even married yet. You know, when when I got diagnosed, we were getting married in the end of August, and I was diagnosed in the beginning of July. 
Yeah. So you, you kind of took on, I was terrified about your kind of saying that this is more than I expected, but you never thought that or said that. Well, I didn't think that. You did think that? Just to be clear, that wasn't planned. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and then when I came out of the treatment from cancer, we kind of run an ad in our local newspaper for professional coaching because I wanted some more local business. I had some out, I had a fair amount of out of town business, but nothing local. You were pretty well established in town and you saw me, you looked over my, my, my shoulder at, at something I was doing on the computer and said, what are you doing? And I was like, I was writing my advertisement for the Ben Bulletin. And you or whatever the whatever magazine I was applying for, I was, you know, going to advertise in. And I told I said, I'm writing an ad for coaching. And you said, you can't do that. This is my market. (laughs) Right. And so that kind of precipitated a conversation about maybe we should try working together. And actually, I guess the other thing that we did at that point was we asked a colleague of ours to interview both both of us so that we could figure out how to work together without ruining our love relationship. And he interviewed both of us, really sharp guy, really smart, very intuitive, did great interviews with both of us and came back and said, don't do it. Do not do this. <laughs> you remember that? I do remember that. And he was, and the reason was that he thought that our approach to work was really different. And he, and he knew we were both in second marriages and he was like, you're going to mess it up. Like if you work in the same business, you work so differently, you're going to me- mess it up. And we ignored him. Well, we totally, the funny thing is we totally believed him, but we also had enough hubris to say, oh, well, but we can work past all that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, I mean, his name is Tim McNichol. He's a very good executive coach and colleague. And he, and we did believe him. I was like, well, you might be seeing something we're not seeing. I mean, we were smart enough to get external recommendations, but we did jump in with both feet anyway and merged our practices at that point. And the other part that's kind of, I think, important about this, because it was kind of a role reversal for me, was after cancer and and also having moved from my market, which was kind of Colorado and the eastern United States, all my relationships were not in, none of my relationships were in the West Coast, my client relationships. And so my business was lower, plus I'd had to stop working so I could go through treatment, so I'd lost some more business. So you were, I felt, as a man, I felt incredibly vulnerable because I was trying to recover my health, trying to recover my professional identity, trying to recover all this stuff and trying to do it by myself. And now, and then my partner is saying, don't put an article in the local newspaper. So I'm like, well, I'm, I was terrified about being a failure. And of course, the only person that was considering me a failure was me, but I was terrified about being a failure. I think because I didn't want to be a liability to you. I didn't want to be a husband who had to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And here I was a husband who had to be taken care of. And, um, and then we decided to merge our businesses and that felt good to me because I didn't have to compete with you in the same market. But, you know, as we both know, it didn't, it didn't play out that way. I think a lot of it was because of my own, uh, kind of entrenched style of working and the fear that your style created for me, Mm. you know, your style is very different and your approach was very different, not wrong or bad at all. I'm not like speaking code here, but you. I I scared you. I I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Well, I was, I was, a fr- yeah, I mean, your modality for working, to begin with, you were actually a professional, well-seasoned, well-trained, credentialed OD consultant, like so many men in the world in partnerships like this, uh, you, or not in terms of partnerships, but just in terms of professionalism. I had, so I have so much less credentials, so much less experience, no certification, no undergraduate degree, and I'm working in the same space that you are. 
and the reason I say that's so similar is that so often what I've just noticed since then, of course, is that so many men are not nearly as qualified as their women colleagues. Women, women tend to be much more qualified for the roles they're in and have more experience for the roles that they're in compared to their male counterparts. And that's certainly true of us. So I already felt like I was kind of an imposter. You were a super skilled practitioner. And I was really, I think I didn't feel like I could keep up. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't talk about that much, but I was worried about, you know, and you, you just had a different approach to how you did the work than I did too. So yeah, so it was super complicated and it, it became pretty apparent pretty early that it was not going to be easy. And then it became apparent that it just was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was such a stressful time. I mean, I'm, I'm having flashbacks, like as we talk about this now, which was, you know, 13 years ago, really, that this, that we're talking about. And I remember so clearly, like making decisions and then just doing the hard thing because, you know, you had this tough cancer with a really hard treatment protocol. Um, we had, let's see, how old were our children then? We had like a 21 year old, a 16 year old, a 15 year old, and a six-year-old between us, you know, like, like things were, were just full up. Um, and I don't know for me, like, I don't remember, I didn't feel the insecurity that you felt because I was in my, I was still in my market, you know, I, I, um, so I had some comfort there, but I, I do remember that it was still anxiety producing because we had to, we had decided not to merge our businesses. And then we did merge our business. There was some loss there. You had a business partner. It was sort of ending anyway, but that was, you know, just very dynamic. So it was like, we did what we had to do, but, but it was stressful and hard. And, and so, so thanks for sharing that. And I, I think what you're saying is really powerful and something that I hear a lot from male colleagues and other friends, which is that the the pressure on men is so intense around being like the primary wage earner, that that vulnerability of having a health crisis, entering into a relationship with me where, you know, I was supporting my family and, you know, you had this meta message of like, I've got to be the wage earner. And then how scary that is if you're starting a new business or dealing with a health crisis. And I think in many cases, probably even more so for men because of the pressure that they feel and, they, and that you felt. Um, and what I find interesting about that is that for me, I was, I was feeling confident that I could support us if, if we had a crisis, but I didn't feel that that was enough for you. Like I felt this difficulty of trusting, like, can't he trust me that I'm going to make the money? Like, that's what I yeah. do. Like I'm good at making the money. And that was, that was a gender role reversal for me a little bit as well in, in the sense that it was a familiar feeling for me to have my income be primary, but it was not familiar to have it be like, because of a health crisis. And also, um, I, I didn't want to hide it. I wanted to be able to be honest about what was happening there, you know? So that was hard. Like there's a lot that comes up. I think about that in a, in a marriage around power, around control, around confidence and security, huh? Yeah. And, and I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I've gotten over most of the shame about it, but I have a lot of shame about that time too, because, you know, it's a self, my, my unwillingness to lean into your support was mostly driven by my own conditioning and my own ego mm. and my own vision of who I should be. I mean, there was, it was a really interesting kind of karmic twist because I remember having judgments about men who let their wives support them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And here I am being a man whose wife needs to support him. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy no matter what. And as a result of that, I think this, this I did so many things badly. One of the things I did was I, I ended up being critical of the way you worked. Uh, and you don't. So here you are trying to support me. I'm I'm definitely not, not working on all six. I'm not firing on all six cylinders. 
you are and you're really trying to support me and I'm being critical of how you're doing it. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so, I'm surprised you didn't leave me. (laughs) Well, I don't, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that and, and I didn't, I think we were critical of each other. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we eventually did unmerge the businesses and you took a job with a a partner firm of ours that you were also doing some work for. And I think that was a brave decision too, because it was like, I guess we were what, a couple of years in and we were like, it wasn't working because we worked quite differently. And we, and we also had all our eggs in one basket, which I think for, you know, for entrepreneurial couples um, in startups and in, and in, you know, um, independent businesses, I think that's a common vulnerability that they face is that, you know, both of you are in, are in that, you know, you're all of your income supporting the whole family is on one business. And I remember just feeling some stress about that. Like, ah, we have all our eggs in one basket. Insurance was a challenge. We knew we needed good insurance, you know, with you having had a medical crisis. And, and so that, that was getting pushed up for me in terms of needs. Um, But also we just, because we saw it so differently and I don't see it the way you did around like that you were just being critical of me. I think I was critical of you too. Like we had a lot of love of working together in the room, but not a lot of love of how we work together in the business. Right. Well, one of the things that I think kind of enamored both of us is you had this great relationship with a bunch of companies through your work with the Adventure Travel Trade Association. And uh, you had some women in that in that organization who were super strong, powerful leaders in their own right, one of whom had told you that the domestic partnership between a husband and a wife is one of the first and primary business relationships that ever was. Nikki, Nikki Fitzgerald, yes. Right, and that that was really appealing in a kind of romanticized way about, well, it's natural for the two of us to work together. And of course, that's true in agrarian families. It's like way back, going way back to our Northern European ancestors, you know, they would, the husband and wife work together to bring in crops and feed the family and all that stuff. So there's a kind of stylized version of that that sounded pretty nice, but boy, that's really different than running a professional services firm. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because Nikki, I'm that conversation was with Nikki Fitzgerald, who rang, who ran and owned Engamamara with her husband, and also beyond. Uh, it was here in Avamore, Scotland, which is where I am right now. Um, that she told us that it was so impressive, and and I, you know, we made a good go of it. We had some fun. I think we supported some clients well, but I do remember feeling relief when we unmerged the businesses and. What I remember as we think about like this idea of work, love and partnership, you know, is that then I felt like we had more space for our, our, our marriage and our parenting of our combined families and dealing with, you know, the ongoing stresses of like being a blended family. I felt like we could make that primary. Because the other thing I felt when we had merged the businesses, Jim, was like that that just began to be everything. Every time we were alone, we were with the family. We were, it was like the business, the business, the business. And I remember feeling this just wash of relief when you decided to take the job as the chief consulting officer um, at WFDP because it was like, okay, we can talk about our businesses separately and we can have time for our families that's primary. That's just felt really, really important. Probably partly, especially because we both had had failed marriages. You know, we, we I didn't want to do that again. I was like, that right. yeah. divorce sucked. Yeah. And the, remember the metaphor you used to always use? You say, we're in the same boat, Jim. We're, we're in the same boat. We have everything in the boat with us. We're not in two separate boats. And there's just so, it's such a good metaphor. It's like, so if there was a, a hole in the boat from in terms of personal relationship to extend the metaphor, it was in the boat. 
And yeah. it, it was the same boat that we were in for the professional relationship. If there was a problem in the professional relationship and the personal relationship, they bled over. It was just too much. It was too and, much. Um, and you actually, you were the one that said, you need to go do this. You know, you need to do this and you need to do this now. They're, they're asking you to come and you need to go and it'll be better for both of us. I was like, okay, I'm going. I remember, I, that. I remember that conversation, though. I was one of those brave conversations that we had. It was on a walk. Um, and I remember feeling that sweaty palm moment of like, this feels really important to me, but it's going to be hard for Jim to get his head around. And it was it was a it was a brave conversation between us. But I, I was so grateful that you were willing to like step out and into another opportunity that ended up being very enlivening for you for a long time. It was it was great. And it was a really good move. And again, I just think that it's, I think at least from the male side, there's so much, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but I don't want to overgeneralize. As a man, I, I identify so much about my worth in the world through my work. Hmm. I, don't, I don't equate as much my parenting skills to the success of my child to, hmm. to my identity. But my work is, you know, I think it's because my dad, it was... He had a really mission-driven kind of career and focused on what he thought was really important. So I just wanted to do something that was important for the world and try and be good at it. And it took up everything. And I never felt, you know, this has only come, I've only figured this out through years and thousands of dollars of coaching and therapy, but <laughs> I have a hole in my cup about my self-esteem. And I always try and fill that self-esteem with work. And I remember you, I remember talking to you about my anxieties and dis insecurities about work. And you would look at me with your arms open and say, but why are you always worried? I'm here. I love you completely. Why isn't that enough? And it, you know, it is enough. And it, it, it's the ripe old age of 64. I think I'm starting to really understand it, but man, I learned slow. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, yes, it is enough. And it was a bit naive, I think, of me to think that it really is enough because I think there's the other dynamic that goes on in a partnership like a marriage, which is that you you also have individual identities. And I think one of the things I've learned from you and from watching you manifest your career um, is that that when that identity is being fed, when you're feeling activated, when you're feeling enlivened by the work and making the difference you want in the world and hello, also making money, you feel better. You feel more full and more complete. And I, and that is true for me too, you know? Um, and so I think one of the things I've learned a lot from you about is that, um, that, that isn't all bad. And right. if you see each other completely as whole beings that have ambition, that have interests in helping the world. And, and for me, that's one of the things, Jim, that I think you've really been a strong ally for me in my business, which is that you haven't ever shied away from or dissuaded me from my own ambition, my own drive, my own desire to be economically successful, as well as making a difference in the world to support my family. You've encouraged that and you've seen that and validated that. And I think in the world of women, that's something we are not validated for a lot, you know, either right. ambition or you know, wanting to make money or whatever. It's sort of seen as like a dirty little secret if women are going after that the same way men do. So I've really appreciated the way you've, you've seen that and supported me, you know, in that process emotionally and in other ways as well. Because I think it, it, this is a crossroads that a lot of couples face um, either early in their marriage when they're establishing their careers or late. You know, a lot of my colleagues who are my age, like 60, their husbands are retiring. If they haven't had a career, some of them are feeling like, Ah, yeah. now what do we do? 
you know? Yeah. Um, so I feel a lot of gratitude. Well, you know, and it, of course, the other thing that happened in there about the same time we decided to separate the business is cancer number two happened. Oh, yeah, right. Let's just talk about that for a minute. <laughs> and you had just accepted uh, the being the lead organizer for the TED event here in Bend. What on earth was I thinking at that point? And there was so much other stuff personally, you know, with our kids and stuff going on. There was just a lot happening. And yeah. um, and I remember going to cancer number two and being just devastated that I was going to have to go into a longer, almost as bad kind of series of treatment with hospitalizations and all kinds of stuff. And you were, and I was, I was petrified again about this identity thing, about failing, about not being a success. And I remember you just kept, you kept on looking at me like, dude, I've got you. I got this. I can, you know, it's, I'm going to have to work really hard, but no problem. I've got this. And you know, at the time it just rolled off my back, like water off a duck. It just, I didn't get it at all. And it's only been in my most recent transition when I was like, you know, she really does have me. She's always had me. And um, again, I just, I learned slowly. And I think it's also, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a form of denial because I wanted, I wanted to be, I wanted to prove to myself I could do it. Mm. But the truth is I can prove to myself that I can do it and I can be held by you at the same time. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think I tend to think of things more in a kind of binary way. It's either this or it's that instead of, you know, I can be successful and reliant at the same time. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, and it's so powerful, you know, as a working woman, someone who's worked my whole career, it's so valuable to have that perspective in a partner because it means I don't have to hide my ambition under a bushel. It means my work is valued in our family. It helps us to be upright. And we both have a lot to offer the world and we get to do it you know, in different ways. And, and also the terror that you were facing, you know, with two cancers that were likely related, but not exactly the same, you know, you handled that all with so much grace and aplomb and really didn't not work for very long at all. Like you worked through both cancers and, and, you know, I was just amazed at how you, how you dealt with all of that. And, and I'm, I'm struck with, I was just thinking as you were talking, Jim, that, you know, we had last summer, I had another cancer scare as uh, you know, with the cancer that I've had for many, many years. And we, we both were brought up against this idea of like, yeah. And in a marriage, that's what really matters. Like, are you there for each other for the big things? And, and, and that is absolutely true for me. Like you have been there for me, for the big things The when children are struggling, when we have diagnoses that are tough, when we're lo losing parents or have lost them. Those are the things that like having a partner such as I feel like I have in you really activates and enables the fun and the challenge of the work side to, mm -hmm. to be present and healthy. But it's really, it's ultimately, and we've always said this, like the work is, is important, but it's secondary to the love, the, the, the building of a community and of a family that is yeah. so critical. And I'm so grateful yeah. that we, that we have that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, you've just taught me so much about how to do it. And one of the other, the final thing I was going to say, because I think we're tight on time, but one of the things I wanted to say was that another struggle that we've had is I like blending work and life, as you know, and I'll kind of like, it, it drives you nuts. I like walk downstairs and get a cup of coffee and I'm on a conference call and I'm talking. It's like, no, go to your office, get back in your room. <laughs> Or I'll sit on the back porch and have a phone call. And, you know, we're, with COVID and everything else, we both worked from home, me upstairs, you downstairs. And for you, you want to contain the work so it doesn't spill over into everything. And yeah. I don't I don't have very good boundaries around it, which, you know, I, it makes me it makes me highly productive, but also pretty dysfunctional at times because work just kind of goes everywhere. 
Well, but it works for you. I mean, it works for you. And I think that's interesting. That's really interesting what you're just saying, because it reminds me of like the differences in our, in our identity. Like when you were saying, especially perhaps when you were younger, but like that a lot of your identity was indexed off the, the career success. And whereas for me, like a lot of my identity is indexed off hearth and home, you know, right. being a mom, being, having my home be like a sanctuary. Those are really important pieces to me. And if, if I, I can always tell I'm working too hard when the boundaries get thin there, because I feel like just the work is everything. And I have such a high need to have there be like distance between the work and my life. And so that's where I think my feedback to you come from is like, I don't want it to just squeeze everything out. And I'm probably sometimes, I'm definitely more rigid about that, especially like in COVID when we've both been working at home, um, which makes it a little bit of a challenge. But I think everybody's facing that in COVID. And how do we, how do we define those boundaries, you know, so that we still have a home, we have time together as a couple, you know, we're empty nesters now, right? But that are, that is um, not just about our respective work. Well, the conditioning thing is interesting too. It's like, I'm not, just now actually, I'm having kind of a deeper um, empathetic understanding to why it's important for you because you're in, in, indexed more around the quality of our home. When I break the boundary, then the hearth and home part is gone because there mm-hmm. is no hearth. There's just the office. Right. <laughs> and you're trying, and you're the keeper of that home identity, that hearth, you know, the nurturing part of our family that should be the the core of what has our children feel safe. Yes. You know? And I'm violating it all over the I, I So just this conversation actually helped me kind of get a better understanding about why that's important to you. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, man, what a journey. We have packed in a lot in 13 years and we both have seen our parents pass in in recent years and and that's another dynamic being in the middle generation that we are you know and i'm just struck with how critical it has been for me to have you by my side in all those times and how grateful i am that we have managed to balance it um to stay upright financially by co-contributing, um, by having fulfilling careers, and also by having a, a loving, intact family that is blended and unique and dynamic, but but really very beautiful and uh, and healthy, and and that's mm-hmm. that's what real partnership is. So you know, I hope for the people out there that might be listening that are like in the thick of it, you know, with babies or maybe going through a separation or a divorce or a health crisis. I hope that they can listen to this and be like, you know what, it's all. Like we get through these things or we don't, but we do it together. Right. Whatever it's going to be, we do it together. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for talking about it. It was good. Good for me. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's very vulnerable, these things. And I really appreciate you you sharing. So thanks, Jim. You bet. <laughs>